When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with veteran White House correspondent April Ryan. With almost a quarter century of work at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, she is a fixture in the press room. She reported the news directly from that famous address. But during the combative Trump administration, Ryan and others whose jobs were to write the headlines suddenly found themselves making them. Her exchanges with the president made her a favorite target of Donald Trump. We started with Trump. I asked what she thought his presidential legacy would be. Typically, you wait like 10 years to see how policies uh, shaped and reshaped or the effects of policies. But I guess in real time, we were hearing a lot of outcries of help, be it COVID, be it his trade deal that not only hurt a lot of the farmers that supported him, but also the auto industry that um, felt the impact. They felt it was not uh, domestic 
uh, domestic auto industry felt it was just not uh, the best financial case for them. You know, we were hearing things that some of the parts had to be outsourced and then you had to pay extra for the outsourcing in other countries to Mexico and then coming back, it caused a problem. It caused a problem for soy uh, farmers, those who supported the president. Um, and that's just one piece. Let's talk about race. You know, we heard so much, you know, as whole nations, we heard um, Confederate, the Confederate flag uh, issue. Um, we heard uh, there are fine people on both sides. Um, sons of bitches when he was talking about, forgive my language, <laughs> but the president of the United States said it. Um, and I'm just repeating what he said when he was talking about the taking of the knee. Let's talk about policing. You know, it's a rights and policing issue. He was more on the side of police, but yet there was hypocrisy when January 6th happened and he said nothing with the officer who was killed. And he was forced into making, to lowering the, hat, the flag have stacked. Um, and it took him a minute to do that for the police officer who was killed in Capitol Hill um, from January 6th, the insurrection that was inspired by his words. So the immediate response to he is the worst president that in the United States history, COVID, 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 COVID. Um, he would hold events, rallies. People died who attended those super spreader events that he hosted, or that he was the, the speaker of. When we were hunkering down, when the CDC told us to stay indoors, wear a mask, he was parading without a mask. And then after he had COVID, he was like, oh, everyone should get it. And then that's it. No, everyone shouldn't. You receive the best health care in the world to save you and other people are dying disproportionately in the hospital, just shoved in a room and they might get care. And, and, and what I don't understand is the reality that people have when they're saying, you know, they wanted to keep him. Um, we have to be a community. I'm talking about a broad community of Americans who understand one, the process, to use critical thinking. And this defies, these last four years, defies what the history books told me, what my civics class told me when I was a kid, what Schoolhouse Rock told us <laughs> on Saturday mornings. It defies comprehension, it defies logic, it defies the founding fathers, it defies humanity, what we went through over the last four years. Here's what's interesting to me. I have, um, I have seen over the course of my career covering presidents and government um, legislation that I thought would damage a particular sector or an industry or the like. But I didn't see an administration that I thought would truly damage our nation on a whole. I think when we walk away, we have seen this. And you want to give the benefit of the doubt. But when it keeps smacking you in the face, every time you get away with something, you go bigger and harder. What, what's the saying? Go big or go home? He went <laughs> colossal and then went home, was sent home. Mm -hmm. um, 
he wanted to undo everything former President Barack Obama had um, had done. And the first few months of uh, then President Donald Trump, I'll never forget him saying, oh, I thought it was easy. It's harder than what it looks. What he essentially, in my mind, the way my filter saw this, he was essentially saying, you know, a black man had it so I could do it. He never rose to the occasion to do it. He never rose to the occasion. But he wanted all of this praise for doing what he took an oath and he fought to do. And I watched Kamala Harris yesterday give the oath of office saying, I solemnly swear I will protect and defend from enemies foreign and domestic. President Trump, for all intents and purposes, could be a domestic enemy of the United States for what he did. You know, three branches of government, the founding fathers put three branches of government in place to do checks and balances. They never said that one branch could war on the other. And that's what Donald Trump did. He incited the crowd, told him he'd walk with them to the Hill. He didn't because he has to be invited to come into the Hill. He's the only person in this nation who has to have an invitation because he is a separate branch, co-equal branch of government. Promised him that he walked with him. He never did. They walked, marched, whatever they did with their flags, everything. All the stuff they had, pitchforks, all of that. And waged war on a co-equal branch of government. He wanted to overthrow the government. Didn't care who got hurt in, 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 in the process. So, um, you know, we've seen history. And for better or for worse, this is a lesson. Lessons are learned. Now the question is, will the Republican Party decide to let Donald Trump go and not run for office again? Or will they stand behind this man? Because more is coming out as to how this was a planned attack because they wanted to defend the president who sent them out and then essentially turned on them in these last few videos, you know, before he left office. So that, the question is really the Republican party. Who are you? Who are you now? Because the bad apples, the rotten apples have been exposed. Is this what your party is? Is it, are you Trumplicans or are you, conservative, you know, fiscally conservative. What are you? Who are you? They've got, they're going through an internal civil war right now, trying to figure out who they are. And it would be interesting to see what comes out of this in the next few days. How does the party proceed after we're finding out more and more of what happened from January 6th? What do you want to see for those minions who walked in lockstep, even those who were powerful in and of themselves, like Mitch McConnell? You know, I think about a Ted Cruz, but I also think, April, the idea of how our world works. I watched even our industry um, subjugate people like uh, Amorosa and Scaramucci to a bottom rung. And then when they left, they were embraced and invited and seated on shows and implicitly forgiven in a way. What do you think we're going to see with those people who walked in lockstep with Trump? I'm going to say this. No man is supposed to be above the law, right? 
um, the investigations are underway. You know, we're waiting for Tish, we're waiting for Tish James. Um, we're waiting for Tish James to do what she's going to do because she's already told us something's happening. Um, and the president is not immune. Um, we don't know whose names are going to be brought in. We don't know what's going on from here. But at the end of the day, if you did the crime, you have to do the time. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people um, have been traumatized. But the law, then there's the law. And if you broke the law, because there, this past administration have been, they're full believers in breaking the rule of law. So they have to live up to it. Um, the American people spoke. Um, the president of the United States is Joe Biden. He won the popular and the elect- popular vote and the electoral college. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but not the electoral college. Um, let the process begin. The, the, the nation needs to heal. And people need to understand you can't just go out and be lawless. This is not a third world nation. There's a reason why there's a rule of law. So things like January 6th won't happen. And um, from a journalistic standpoint, if you did the crime, you got to do the time. You, there is punishment. And there were, from COVID, to conversations about race and the things. I mean, you know, we saw this building. We should not be surprised. They were enablers. And I'm not mad at Donald Trump. No one should be mad at Donald Trump. People should be mad at the enablers. But all of them are in this this bat together. And we'll see what what law enforcement has, what lawyers have, what, what everyone has. We'll see. Do, are you bothered, though, by our industry? I mean, we, we've always seen strange bedfellows with, with press and politics. Honestly, we have, uh, whether we want it admitted or not. But now it has gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. I mean, I, I really was bothered when I saw Omarosa and Scaramucci get seats now as, as pundits um, and, and almost forgiven for the deeds. And Scaramucci, let's be honest, wasn't there any time. It was there 11 days. 10 days. <laughs> and Scaramucci and I, we did not agree. And we went after each other on, on, on um, MSNBC once. And I, he, wanted, he wanted to shake my head and said, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's willing to sing like a bird. So, and he apologized publicly to me. I believe if you are disrespectful publicly, as loud as you were in your disrespect, you need to be as loud as you are with your apology. He apologized to me, but once you do that, you always kind of look at someone, you know, strangely or or with a. I know it's always it's always in the back of your mind. You yeah. never fully trust, and I know how you felt because I saw you and um, the woman who shall remain nameless <laughs> strut around like two roosters and hens on the stage. I saw I was there. That was the year that I was named Journalist of the Year. And I don't understand why she was there anyway when I was named Journalist of the Year, but that's a whole other thing. But at the end of the day, if she, he, if, if either one of them did something, hey, I, I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did. I don't know. I don't know. But if something is found, you know, if you, if you go into an administration, understand that they're ruthless and they're, they're lawbreakers. Yeah. 
it's just the hypocrisy for me, you know, and I don't talk much about, and to this day, and this was what, three years ago, people talk about the situation with, with Amorosa and me at NABJ. And I just took over from somebody who refused to go on the stage. And, and as you know, you and I both come from, and I'm going to ask you about this later, but the old school side of journalism that you don't really want to be part of the story. You don't want to be part of the story. You don't want to be part of the story. Sometimes you're thrust. You're thrown in. And that's the problem with me. I've been thrown into the story and I'd rather not be, but you know what? Sometimes you got to tell the story because everybody wants to change the narrative and make you out to be the bad person. Right. All you're doing is reporting. And at the end of the day, the story is getting out. For me, that's exactly what that was. You've known me for years. That is not my mode of journalism or interviewing her, but I had seen her take over stages. Oh, they bring you to that. They and they, run rampant. So I said, okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to introduce you to Detroit, Ed Gordon. And, and that's what happened. Baltimore and Cleveland met up in, in, in the press office one time. They take you there and, 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 and threaten you, talk behind your back, telling people, don't call on her, lie on you, try to discredit you, take your jobs from trying to lie to get your jobs taken away from you. And you've got children and a life. I'm like, no. So you basically have to report and then report with pen in your right hand and use a box of glove to fight them back with the other. And people don't realize the magnitude of what they have done and what they did. They called the press the enemy, had people put people, just like they did on Capitol Hill, put people on us. You know, it has been an awful four years that I'm, thank God I've got a great therapist, you know, and a good hairdresser. But, you know, I mean, because you lose your head, you lose your mind while you're trying to do your job because they're lying. They're sending people to your home or, or, or death threats or bomb scares and all sorts of crazy things because you're asking questions about an underserved community. Now, what? April, what was that like for you? You know, you literally were getting death threats. And the irony for me, and you and I have talked about this privately, is you've been there big congratulations to you almost for a quarter of a century in the White House reporting and giving us the news. Yet it was this craziness that the Trump administration brought that elevated you to somewhere I think you should have been a long time ago anyway. So give me a sense of what these four years have been for you personally. Um, or hell, um, they were hell. You know, you have to move your home because people sitting out in front of your house. You Caesar Sayoc knows who you are and sends things to you. FBI comes to your home. Um, you know, have bomb squad come to your house. You have bodyguards going with you. You always, you know, have your head on a swivel, not knowing if today somebody's going to. I mean, letters, emails, all sorts of crazy things. Um all because of this president, all because I just asked questions. I've asked questions of presidents on the same issues. And it's a friendly adversarial relationship, but this got to be a deadly relationship. And um, I refused to bow to a bully. Bullies, a bunch of them, who followed the lead of the biggest bully. And then, um, and then you had COVID. They weren't going to, I'm running from 
the bullies. And then I had to run from COVID. I said, I'm not going to sit up here. I, I survived the bullies. I said, I'm not going to sit in here and die from COVID because they don't care. It was bobbing and weaving. Bob, and that's not what I do. You know, that's not who I am. I'm just like, hey, how you doing? Let's do a story. Bam, that's it. And now it's bobbing and weaving. Like, you know, I normally used to be a happy-go-lucky person. Now it's like, you know, you got you you kind of looking over your shoulder to make sure everything is okay, and that's the trauma from that administration. Let's go to the new administration, Biden. Amen. Let's move on. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. You know what I love about Joe Biden, and, and Joe, you know, has his foibles and frailties like we all do. But when he gave the inauguration speech, he he put it as we used to say on Front Street. He said, yeah. "Look." We got stuff to deal with, and it ain't going to be easy. Few people in our nation's history have been more challenged or found a time more challenging or difficult than the time we're in now. Once-in-a-century virus that silently stalks the country has taken as many lives in one year as America lost in all of World War II. Millions of jobs have been lost. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. A cry for racial justice, some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear and now. A rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. He's dealing with more than any singular president that in our lifetimes. So many things colliding at one time. Garth Brooks was there singing Amazing Grace and he said, everybody sing. Amazing Grace. Garth Brooks is Southern. He is part of that community in, in large part that support Trump, but he came and that was a nice, you know, piece for them to be able to uh, marry. Um, but this man comes in uh, with so much on his plate uh, colliding together. That each one needs major attention. How optimistic are you? I mean, he talked about the idea that he's got to get the pandemic under control first. But you and I both know, uh, you know, we put this kind of artificial 100 days together to look at presidencies. But um, what do you think he has to balance next? He's, he's conceded. That's number one. What do you think he has to balance next? Um, the intelligence community, he has to balance his terrorism things, domestic terrorism as well, because they are out here to take out the political structure of this nation. So they've got to deal with that as well. The intelligence agencies have to deal with that. Um, also, um, God forbid, let there be another police-involved um, killing. We are on, we're teetering on everything. You understand what I'm saying? So everything has to be dismantled at one moment. I, I don't know. I mean, and then the climate change issue, um, that's huge too. We're seeing snow caps melting polar bears in the water. I mean, it's, and um, the COVID is, COVID is the biggest piece right now, but we are sitting again 
on a powder keg ready to explode the race issue, you know, the Muslim ban, immigration. I mean, all of this. And oh, and I talked to Mary Frances Berry the other day, the former head of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. She said, and you know, the caravans are coming because they feel Democrats are more favorable to them. So he's got so, and, and, and that is huge. So, and, and that's a piece that they're going to deal with. And that's important because just like she said, they believe that Democrats are more favorable. And then, you know, the border crossings and stuff are going to happen again. So there's so many issues. I can't say one over the other, but I think COVID and all the effects of COVID, financial health, vaccine, and they need people to take the vaccine so we could stave this off. So next year, we might be able to all be vaccinated and start maybe taking the mask off. Yeah, maybe. it's daunting. It's daunting. The other thing that he, he didn't talk about, and rightfully so, but is a reality for him, uh, and that would be the case even if COVID and these other issues weren't there. I had Jim Clyburn on uh, last week. Is the split within the party? You know, I mean, they don't like to talk about that much, but it, it's real. Progressive versus, progressive versus, versus moderates. Yeah. It's generational. Um, what do you see there? And, you know, AOC, AOC um, is right. You know, they want youth. Youth is the lifeblood. And you, there should be a grooming, and maybe they are grooming, but top-tier leadership, there is a concern. Top-tier leadership over on the Hill, late 70s, 80s. And you've got a lot of new people, lifeblood that's coming in, so who are strong and really um, are heard, but they should be, there should be a grooming. I think both sides should be grooming the incoming generation. Yeah, we don't see that often. I mean, just in general, across the board, historically, maybe it's human nature, but we don't typically always see that kind of. Well, let me say this, a younger person, Closer to my age and our well, our age, Cedric Richmond. Yeah, Cedric Richmond is that younger person that's groomed. He's over in the White House now, you know. Um, but there should be a more intense grooming of younger people for these positions because eventually they're going to leave, and you have to fill them. And you don't want to ever say, "Well, no one taught me this, no one groomed me." But um, you're absolutely right. L- let me ask you this. Um, when you talk about that, what's interesting is, you know, you and I had the the great pleasure and honor of knowing those kind of old school politicians. Uh, you know, I think about Elijah Cummings and, and John Lewis and 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 even John McCain or RBG. These people who've who've gone on um, in losing that generation of people. Politics is different now. You know, it is this scorched earth, zero sum. Uh, it's just my way or the highway. By any means necessary. And it's it's like storm the house first and then ask questions later. Because <laughs> if I see it, that's how it is. But there's something to be said. There's more of an activism component into politics now. And I get it. But you still have to legislate. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being an activist in politics, but you still have to legislate. And people are tired. I, I've said this before, just watching it, the system is broken. And I say this because over the last 24 years, I've watched people say, oh, we need something new. We need something new. You know, sitting from that unique person I'm in, 
So when we were in a recession with George W. Bush and in a war, people were so fed up. They were war weary. They were just weary. They were tired. They were fatigued mentally and drained physically. People were like, I want something new. Barack Obama rose to the highest rungs because he said hope and change. He got there. And then you had a segment of society like, I'm not touched by him. He doesn't represent me. We go to the polar opposite who talks about hope and change. That's Donald Trump. And then we get what we get. System is broken. Then we're sick of Donald Trump and his foolishness, literally. And then we go to the polar opposite again of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There's got to be a middle ground. And there's got to be an understanding that the system is broken and people, everyone needs to feel like they're covered, needs to feel like they're covered under the umbrella. And I asked, um, well, now Senate Majority Leader um, Chuck Schumer, when he was minority leader, he said, if we get the Senate, everything, all options are on the table because they're trying to fix this, take everything back, you know, stacking the court, everything is on the table because they're going to run with it. While they've got, they've got the House, they've got the Senate, they've got the White House. But you also have people who are in the party, like we just talked about. There's a fraction, and they're not necessarily on the same page with everything. So we'll see how it all plays out. And I remind people that Raphael Warnock's seat is only for two years, not for four. Yeah. And that's important, as close uh, as right. that Senate is, you know. Um, let me ask you about the Black black voters, you know, and, and staying engaged. Uh we, we rose to the occasion. We gave this to Democrats. We gave the presidency. We gave the Senate. We get, you know, and, and I keep reminding black voters, politics is quid pro quo. Don't just be satisfied with the victory. No you need to get what you want. No matter, no matter who's the yes. You give them, you give them the, the benefit of the doubt, but you always have to have an ask when you go to the table. Shirley, Shirley Chisholm said, the late, great Shirley Chisholm the first black woman to run for president in 1972. Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm said, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. When you get there with your folding chair, you have to ask. Don't be happy that you're at the table. We're a reactionary community and you have to ask. We're still a community with the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category. So you have to ask. Yes, um, this president is making his administration reflect America. You still have to ask. You know, the officials in Flint and the Flint water crisis are going to jail. You still have to ask for the infrastructure to be fixed, not just in Flint, but in North Carolina and Washington, D.C., everywhere else. Police brutality. You have to ask. Qualified immunity. People want, they're still asking for that in 2021. That's an ask. Reparations. People are talking about it. We're studying that till it's studying no more. <laughs> what else is to study? So anyway, moving on, you know, because <laughs> whatever, um, you know, closing the wealth gap, you have to ask not only that we still, no matter what Donald Trump said, the black unemployment rate is still historically higher than other people. You have to ask to even get it on par. There's no reason why people should not feel compelled to ask. You got Black America worked so hard. Stacey Abrams worked so hard. Now it's time to ask and receive. Yeah, I, and I keep, uh, you know, 
reminding people that we need new narratives. And, and my language now is in some of this, it's not even an ask anymore. It's a demand. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, and I'm saying, I'm saying this from watching other communities come in yeah. and give the ask and get what they ask for. So I've seen it. So, and, and, and I'm like, well, well, if they're asking, why not, why they're not getting it? Hmm, something's wrong. Yeah. So now, you know, um, now, you know, black farmers are still having issues. You know, Vilsack is back there. You got to ask, demand, whatever. The ask is real. So um, HUD, Marsha Fudge is there. And she, she understands. Uh, she's former congresswoman from Cleveland, Ohio. She understands HUD and uh, housing and urban development, developing urban communities. These urban communities are so blighted and so hurt. What's the demand or ask? So, you know, people talk about, oh, it's broken. They're not listening to me. If you go, how do you know if they're listening to you or not if you don't go and ask? Yeah, and there has to there has to be action behind the ask. And that's what I mean by demand. They have to be, they have to be afraid that something will happen on their end if they don't deal with your ask. And what you're talking about is something that you don't hear a lot of people talking about, leveraging. That's leveraging right. after you ask. That's right. You give me this and what here's what I'll give you in return. It's not money, but it's like, you know, we'll support you on this bill. Cause that's other communities, I see it all the time. So much is at stake right now for the black community. And Lonnie Bunch told me this, the uh, secretary of the Smithsonian, the man who curated the baby for black America, the African-American Museum of History and Culture. He said that we have to curate and maintain. Each generation has to do that. You can't just think, oh, the Civil Rights Act is here. Oh, I'm good. The example is the Voting Rights Act. We got it. Now it's gone. We're voting without the full protections of the Voting Rights Act. It was gutted. It's still there, but it was gutted. The pre-clearance portion of it to basically ensure um, that we would not be um, suppressed. Voters would not be suppressed. So um, you got to maintain. You got to keep the fires going. Let me move to the personal side if we can. When we return, we talk about her extraordinary career, motherhood, and a new job. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. April Ryan is just like everybody else. During COVID, she's worked from home dealing with a pre-existing condition. She's had to learn to make her way around the virtual world. And this mother of two daughters has been dealing with the reality of virtual learning for her children. Like most, it makes her a little crazy sometimes. Give me, give me um, one thing that you could give me. Give me, give me some tools for peace. Because I'm telling you, in the midst of COVID, oh, Ed, because you look so cool with all your, your black art up there. And I'm like, ah! Kids in virtual learning with one child standing right over here waiting for me to help her. She's ready. Come raise your hand. Come raise one already. Come here. Come here. One see right here. See see one. Yeah. One came down while we were doing this. So just send me some words for peace. I wish I did, but I had no hidden gems. But I do send love to her and all the parents, grandparents, and others out there dealing with virtual learning for the kids. By the way. April's doing all of this as she's taking on a new job. You got a new gig. Talk to me about that. I've got a new gig. I've got a new gig. I'm so excited about my new gig. I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> the Grio. Um, I am so honored 
to be a part of this amazing group. You've had so many great people come through the Brio. You had Joy Reed at the Brio. Um, you know, the Brio, bunch of young, dynamic, fantastic people. Um, we are embarking on having a White House correspondent there, and I'm their first White House correspondent and Washington bureau chief. And um, we're going to start, we're building, we're building. So right now what I'm doing is, like we're doing, doing video to be complemented with the stories that I write for the Griot, but ultimately it will go into television. We'll be doing TV, video, and um, writing. So I'm kind of busy. And I was like, at first I was like, oh my gosh, I was intimidated. I said, girl, you wrote three books. What's wrong with you? I said, yeah, that's right. Because I've been in radio for so long. And, you know, radio, radio is so different. You have the sound bite, you write into it, and you write out of it. It's 30 seconds. Whereas I'm writing typically 500 to 700 word stories, but it's so easy. Um, you know, you just put it on paper, what you know, and talk to some people, put their quotes, and that's it. But when you shift from being in radio for, I've been in radio pretty much for 30 years of my, 30 years of my career from 1985 when I started. I've been in radio since 85. And then you do that shift. But, you know, at my age, at, you know, it, it, it's kind of intimidating to change. But I said, girl, you got this. You wrote three books by yourself. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. It's been really good. And, um, but it's a little bit more time consuming, but it's good. Um, I'm, I'm tired <laughs> already, but it's, it's a good tired though. It's a good tired. It's a good tired. Um, what about the idea of the celebrity that now comes along with what we do? It has grown tremendously. I mean, particularly if you were on TV, there was always a celebrity element to it, but the world is turning celebrity with social media. Politics is now entertainment versus exactly. politics. And, you know, I'm not that celebrity person, contrary to what people say. I just want to stay and be Ryan and Gracie's mom and just do my stories, do my work, and come home, chill out. And But it's alluring at times. It's heady at times. Is it really? Yeah, you know that. You know that. I mean, that, look. That 1% when you get to go somewhere yeah. fun that you've never been, meeting a celebrity. Or a photo shoot where you think you look good or whatever the case may Wait, be. You know. still look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, now if you ask me to show up, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it do what it do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm thankful to be who I am and where I am. But there's been a price. Mm -hmm. And all of that, you know, it doesn't go to my head. I'm just thankful. I'm just a girl from Baltimore who's five generations removed from a slave. And my mother and father taught me to be humble. Um, I'm very outspoken, but I'm also shy, believe it or not. I'm, I, the older I get, the shyer I become. You know, people don't get that. There's a, there's a great part of me that is shy, but people assume I'm aloof. Right, because you come out and you're, because when you are in the public eye, you've got to show up and you've got to be a presence. And it's like, okay, but when, it's so interesting. People say, oh, you're real quiet. You're actually not what I, what do you expect? You know, if they come into my, I invite them into my home. Someone said to me, I was a cross between an extrovert and an introvert. I said, yeah, because I, yeah. I prefer to be quiet and home. I tell my kids, I don't like a lot of screaming and hollering, you know. <laughs> I don't like a lot of music. I said, put the headphones on. I just need peace. 
I just need peace. But I'm just, you know, it's contrary to what people assume. People assume right. you're not here. Ah, da, 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 da. Now, if you ask me to talk, I, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm not, I'm April from Baltimore who just wants to chill. It, how do you deal with that, April? That's funny that you say that because you know, people think I'm very serious. I, I was two votes away from class clown in high school. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, know, you know me a little bit. So, I mean, you know the Ed that cuts up with y'all if we person, sit around or whatever, person, right? Person, person. <laughs> but people really just see that image of us and assume, how do you deal with the idea of keeping that, um, but keeping yourself? Because they see you on television, you're serious, you're talking serious mess. I love to laugh too, but I think everything has a season. Um, I believe, you know, we're misunderstood because on television, we want you to understand the gravity of what we are talking about or the situation at hand. But when we come away from it, because in this business, you put your all in it. If you are at the top of the game, you throw your all in it. It's tiring. You're talking to everyone. It's not two sides of a story. It's all sides of a story. And you throw your all in it. I mean, it is to the point, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I look at my cell phone and to see what's going on. <laughs> or I wake up early in the morning and I'm looking at the news. I'm watching the news and, and I'm fixing lunches and stuff and or breakfast and what have you, helping the girls, you know, go through virtual learning and then yet still working. And it's a lot. You want to pull away. And you want peace. And people don't understand, we are just like you. But this, you just happen to see our job, you know. And I used to get so angry. People are like, I want to come to work with you. I'm like, do I, what happens if I actually come, if I can go to your job? You right. know, people think, and it is amusing. It is the biggest space in the world. But I am working. And people don't get it. But when I'm, when I'm out in the street, um, you know, I'm April Ryan. I turn like, hey, how you doing? The people, but you get tired of being Ed Gordon. You get tired because because that's what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. April wants to chill. April just wants to. Whoosh, April <laughs> wants to listen to Charday, watch a good movie. Do you realize I wanted to tune out of everything so much that um, you know during this COVID thing because it got so hard. I was watching horror movies. Don't ask me why. I'll binge watch. I binge watched The Crown. I binge watched Bridgerton. I will binge watch. You know, I need stuff that's mindless. Right. Because people don't get how how hard it's been for the last four years reporting on a crazy person and trying to make sense of crazy all hours of the day and night, and then. You have to find, and then dealing with kids, and you have to find your peace. Yeah. So, but yeah, when you are at the top of your game like we are, you have to throw your all in it, and we do. And then when you pull back, it's like, when you see me at the market, is that April Ryan? I'm like, and I just don't say nothing. I'm like, <laughs> I know I'll go to market. I'll, I'll, I don't even look like myself. It's like, she looks like her. I'm like, somebody said, you look just like her. I said, I heard that. I said, my mother, God rest her soul, she would see people who, you know, you could see them looking. My mother, yep, that's him. Come on, come on, come on. I'm like, Mom, Mom why you? <laughs> Your family is proud of me, but I will, I will go to a store, bust up and everything. People like, no makeup on, hair all over the place, looking grungy. 
it looks like, and they take double look at it, I just keep going, do, 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 do. And then they say, did anybody ever tell you you look like a press? I've heard that. No, no, but I, it's interesting. But no, you know, after 24 years, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the stories that I've done have informed people. But there's a price. And I took, I, I paid the price. Um, being one of the first ones asking questions and going under attack. I paid the price four years ago and therapy has helped me. Um, hair therapy and a good hairdresser have helped me, <laughs> have helped me work through it. I, I have two more questions. One is, um, I remember, and I, and I think this can help a lot of people. I remember talking with you. I think we were doing an interview and then we were through with the interview and we were talking just back and forth as we do sometimes. And you were saying, this was as Obama was leaving, that you were actually thinking about leaving uh, the White House at that time. And, you know, it just shows a decision. The fact that you stayed really changed your life uh, in many, many ways. And it just shows how one decision can take you on an entirely different road. One decision can mean life or death for anyone. One decision can change your trajectory. Um, yeah, that one decision, decision did, you know, I'm getting older. And I always said, I said, I don't want to be Helen Thomas. I don't want you. I don't want to be Sarah McClendon. I don't want to be in my eighties and people pull me out of there. And for those that don't know, those were two women, the trailblazers who were white house for decades and decades for like 40 and 50 years, you know? So I was in my twenties when I started. So I'm now 24 years in. Um, approaching 25, going into 25, um, and I'm 53. So now five presidents. Now five presidents. So um, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay at least till 25, and then we'll see what happens. But who knows? It may be six. I don't know. But I made a decision, and for better or worse, I'm dealing with it. And but you know what? I love what I do. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, is that people want to attack you for what you do. Yeah. It's a noble and an honorable uh, field. And um, now I can get back to being um, unbiased. And because I was like, after a point, I was like with Trump, I was like, look, he's a fool. He's a clown, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, OK, let's do this and get all sides of the story. Get back to real reporting. That's what I want. This, these last four years were apparition. It was something I'm like, huh? It was like, it was a nightmare. Somebody, it, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Well, I agree. And we all look forward to getting back to some semblance of, of normalcy, whether it be the pandemic or, or like you say, you and I, I was the same way. I never, ever, ever, though I disagree vehemently uh, politically with certain uh, presidents, I never said anything publicly right. about them right. until this man got in office and I didn't care anymore. Right. I saw him as a clear and present danger in that office. Yes, clear and present danger is perfect. That's the that's the title of your next book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, you're right. And now if we go back to true journalism. Um, you know, I've worked with Democratic and Republican presidents, and we've had a friendly friendly adversarial relationship with all of them. At this point, I want to go back to that, and I'm done with um, the past. And I'm telling you. I look forward to covering these four years, good, good, the bad, the ugly, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to be there. 
Well, April Ryan, thank you so much. And I want to say publicly what I tell you privately. What I appreciate about our relationship is what, Ed? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, girl, that every time you have called me or every time I have called you, we have said, okay, we'll make it happen. Make it happen. And that doesn't always happen in our industry. Nope. Nope. So I love you for it, girl. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. No, but you know, I believe in us in this business, and there needs to be more us. Um, and I pray that we start getting in here. But you know, you're a trailblazer, and I thank you. And anytime you need me, I'm there. All right, Ed Gordon, love you. Love you too. Another big thanks to my girl, April Ryan. Look for her work at thegrio.com. And join me next week. We'll take a close look at where Black America stands with the COVID crisis. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.